The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Hey, 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 welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. This is the elite version, the premium version. You don't have to pay a premium, though. No Will Brenton. Me, Ryan Wilson, joined by Johnny Breach. We're going to talk a little AFC North action, training camp, burning questions. This is the first in a series as we go division by division. Um, perhaps, thankfully for you guys, it won't be all me and John talking about them. Brenton will be back and having various other folks talking about other divisions. But the most important division, John, the AFC North, you and I are going to talk about that. How are you doing, most importantly? Well, you know what's funny? I feel like anytime Brinson's not on a show, everyone's first question is, did Brinson get suspended? And the answer to that is, I don't think he got suspended. I think he is just, you know, Brinson is the master of the four-day weekend. He does the thir- three-day work week, four-day weekend. We're recording this. He's not back from the four-day weekend. So we get, you get me and Wilson instead, which is, you know, like Wilson said, it's a bonus. Premium content at, at no cost to you, the listener. Uh, yeah, so Brinson actually came up with a new excuse this week. He has a thousand excuses that he that he scrolls through when he needs to come up with something why he's late or missing altogether. It's like an ad lib. It's an ad lib, or mad lib, a Brinson <laughs> lib. And this week he lost his phone using bunny ears, to quote uh, John Breach there. This is the first time he used to lost his phone excuse in, in, in a dozen years, so that's a new one. Um, so I was that. actually surprised he, he didn't get crazy with it and say, hey, guys, a walrus ate my phone. <laughs> I was going to say a shark, yeah. but a walrus <laughs> is even better. That's right. So uh, as I mentioned, we're talking about the burning training camp questions, the AFC North. In the feed, the mailbag, where we discussed the Falcons fans should be mad at Julio Jones. Breach was mad. No one else was. Spoiler alert. And spend way too much time on the Bengals, of course, Browns and the Lions. Before we get going, John, listen to this, man. We are finalists. For the sports category, the People's Choice Podcast Awards, exclamation point. We appreciate all you guys do for us, and we hope you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round. And for no other reason than to spite vote Will Brinson for not being here. So, so do that. To nominate Pick 6, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up, and then toggle down the sports category. We've included the link at the top of the episode description as well. Plus, Brinson has promised to join the Tattoo Club if we win. He actually did do that. So keep that in mind. So... We'll start this conversation breach where things ended last year, at least in the regular season, with the Steelers, who won the division after going 11-0. They finished 1-4, and but we'll talk about that and then lost in the playoffs. So uh, each, I came up with a couple of burning questions for my teams. I have the Steelers and the Ravens, and you came up with a couple of burning questions for the Bengals and the Browns. So I'll just piggyback off what our buddy Jason Lockham 4 tweeted out over the weekend, and I'll, I'll just read you the tweet. The Steelers remain on the hunt for pass rush help. Had interest in Justin Houston, but that does not appear to be a match. We'll bring in Melvin Ingram for a visit this week and possibly others. This week means Monday because, according to Rap Sheet, Ingram was in Pittsburgh visiting with the team. Um, He played on a limited basis last year because of injury with the Chargers, where he spent his whole career. He's 32 years old. That said, the Steelers need some help at the depth at edge rusher. Bud Dupree, of course, is in uh, Nashville, your hometown now, playing for the Titans. They have Alex Highsmith last year's third-round pick, who did really well once Bud got hurt. They have, of course, T.J. White, who's going to get paid pretty soon. But behind that, all they have is Cassius Marsh, who, to my knowledge, is best known for 
bellyache and that Bill Belichick was sort of a jerk when he was with the Patriots for a few weeks. Uh, he hasn't done much on the field. And, and Quincy Roche, who was a day three pick, who at various points in the pre-draft process, he, he played a Temple transfer to the U. Various points in the pre-draft process, folks thought he'd be no worse than a day two pick. I thought he was like a third or fourth round pick. He actually ended up going later than that, so he has a chance to prove himself, but there's no guarantee he, he's going to be anything other than a role player, at least early on in his career. So Melvin Ingram is in the mix. Justin Houston was in the mix, it sounds like, but probably not at the top of the to-do list. Uh, I love the idea of sa- signing Melvin Ingram as uh, sort of insurance. I don't think he has to come in and, and play 30 snaps a game, but he can certainly spell Alex Highsmith or, or, or TJ Watt, uh, assuming, fingers crossed, everyone stays healthy. Um, how do you feel about that, Breach, now they lost Bud Dupree? Their defense, I would imagine, won't be as good as it was last year because that defense was really good. Uh, but that's going to be, I think you said this before, that's going to be critical to any success they have, that defense sort of helping out that offense. Yeah, I think it's actually kind of crazy when you think about it that the Steelers are really a great landing spot for any free agent pass rusher that's still left out there. Because it's not, you know, I, I know JSC mentioned that Justin Houston probably – and the Steelers aren't a good fit. And then obviously you have Melvin Ingram. There's guys like Everson Griffin is out there, Olivier Vernon. And and what all these guys have in common is that they're all up there in age. They're all old. And so what these guys probably don't want to do is, hey, look, we can't be every down guys anymore. We're not spring chickens. We need to find a place where we can play 25, 30, 35 snaps per game. And boom, that's where the Steelers come in. So it really feels like the Steelers can be kind of picky here. and it does feel like that maybe Melvin Ingram is the the, the guy that matches up best with them. Because you look at, you know, last season, obviously he was dealing with a knee injury for most of the year. He missed nine games, only played in seven. Uh, and so obviously his production fell off because of that injury. But then you look at the three years before that, the guy was a tank. I mean, he went to the Pro Bowl all three years. He was putting up impressive numbers. He was a big part of the Chargers defense. And so as long as you feel comfortable with him being recovered from that injury, because if he is recovered from that injury and you're getting 2017 through 2019 Melvin Ingram, then your defense just got a huge weapon. And if you add a healthy Ingram to Steelers defense, man, that is, you know, I wouldn't want to be Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow sitting back there in the pocket waiting to get, you know, cracked in the face. I guess that would be illegal. You can't be cracked in the face, but waiting to get sandwiched by TJ Watt and Melvin Ingram. So Neil Kulong, who who writes for the SteelersWire.com, which is part of uh, USA Today Sports Media Group, put this out on Twitter, just the, the idea of Melvin Ingram signing with the Steelers. And most Steelers fans who responded don't think it'll happen. And the Steelers are usually sort of, you sort of hinted at it, slow-footed about signing guys. And they're not going to pay a lot of money for it either. So that that's also has to be figured into the to the calculus. But presumably they're going to get someone. And, you know, sometimes these things work out. Most times they don't for Pittsburgh when they sign veterans. Uh, who were successful elsewhere and sort of coming off uh, on the backside of a good career. We'll see what happens, but they do need depth there. And I think, to me, that's one of the burning questions for for the Steelers. Obviously, Big Ben and, and all that stuff, and we've spent a lot of time talking about Big Ben in the offense, but I think the defense we haven't talked a lot about, um, primarily because they've been pretty good. But um, the cornerback position is going to be interesting as well. They they cut uh, Stephen, what's his name? I can't remember his last name now. Um, one Nelson. of their Thank you, Stephen Nelson, who's still a free agent, which is also interesting. I'm not sure why he is, but I'm sure I can't imagine. Maybe you talk about this too, John, that maybe as a veteran, he's just not in a hurry to sign because of training camp. But uh, he's a good player, so we'll see where he ends up. So they have to figure that that out as well. Um, but 
you know, we talk about it every every week when we talk about the NFC North, the Steel or the AFC North. The Steelers are third uh, in our eyes behind some combination of Cleveland and, and the Ravens, which of course leads us to we'll go to the Browns. We'll we'll save the best for last with your with your with your Bengals. I'm going to mix it up here. Sorry, throwing a curveball. So well, you just ripping up the rundown in front of me. It, you know, Brinson leaves for one day. I think things are going to go straight. They're already going sideways. Yeah, well, I mean, I want you to, you know, batting cleanup, I want to be the Bengals because they are, you know, if any, if any team is the best team in the division. <laughs> That's right. So we'll go with the Browns. How will they fix things they need to fix in order to, to make it happen in the AFC North? Well, first of all, we're secretly going in the order that Ryan thinks every team is going to finish in the AFC North this That's year. Right. I, I clearly can tell going from Steelers in first place to the Browns in second place. Uh, my big question for the Browns is how good can their defense be? Because look, this is like the Browns took their defense and kind of like had a yard sale, said, all right, everyone's leaving, and then went to Home Depot, stocked up, and now they have a completely revamped defense. I mean, this was a complete and total reconstruction of the defense, and we're talking about a unit that could have seven to ten new starters. You know, think about that. I mean, we were literally talking about them replacing. It was like, all right, we got Miles Garrett. Let's just figure out what we can do around him and, and throw in anyone because we have no idea what we're doing yet. We want to, we, this defense needs to be better. If we want to be a Super Bowl contender, we know we're a playoff contender, but if we want to win the Super Bowl, if we want to beat Patrick Mahomes, we need a better defense. And so you look at what they did this off season. You know, they've got Anthony Walker who they signed as a free agent. He's probably going to be a starting linebacker. They have Andrew Billings, who could be a starter on the defensive line. He actually got signed in 2020, but he sat out due to COVID, so he has never hmm. played for the Browns. Uh, Malik Jackson, uh, we've talked a lot about this offseason, about their defensive backs. So they signed Troy Hill and John Johnson. And so, and uh, Jadevian Clowney almost slipped my mind right there. So they there have, are... They have Tack McKinley. I didn't realize that until I looked at the roster. Yeah, they have Tack McKinley. And then they also have a, a couple rookies who could help. I mean, Greg Newsom could end up as a starting corner. And so... Jeremiah uh, Wustakoromoa, who was a sort of a, a big get in the second round because a lot of people thought he's a first-round pick. Yeah, Newsom was a first-round pick. And both of those picks, so their first two picks of the draft could both end up as starters. Uh, and Owusu is a, a linebacker. So you're talking about, I mean, I think we just named seven or eight guys right there who literally all could be starting. And so the only problem when you have all these new guys is you don't know how quickly they're going to gel or if they're going to gel at all. I, we've seen teams try to put kind of like a, a quote unquote dream team together. Yeah. And so you don't know if it's going to work. And so on paper, it feels like this Browns defense could be really, really good. But, you know, when you mentioned paper and the Browns, everything <laughs> on paper usually ends up in the toilet with the Browns, <laughs> you know, so uh, this doesn't really mean anything. But I think this defense can be good. But, you know, we need to see it. And I think that's what training camps for. We need to see preseason games we need to see if these guys can be as good as we everyone thinks they can be and to be clear it's not toilet paper it's actually a paper towel thrown in the toilet which expands and clogs up the toilet <laughs> so they're not even doing that part right two names also grant delpit their second round pick last year who was injured for most of the year didn't play he'll be back to safety and then greedy williams who struggled with injuries since he was drafted in the second round a few years ago presumably he, he'll be healthy to go along with denzel ward so that's a good point because i've been talking up this defense for weeks months uh, just based on the potential, which you you noted, Breach. But the the other side of that coin is that what if this doesn't work out because everyone's coming from a different place and hasn't played a lot together, in addition to having a bunch of young guys who, who sort of don't know what they're doing yet in the NFL. So we'll see. That'll put more pressure on, on Stefanski and, and Mayfield, the running game and the wide receivers, and we'll see if they're up to it. That offensive line is still really, really good. So 
there's still a lot of reasons for optimism. I still think they're my favorite team to win the division, despite the order I have them going on going in in this conversation. But I think the defense, I think even more than Baker Mayfield, because we saw Baker Mayfield play well down the stretch, and I think he's comfortable with Kevin Stefanski. The defense is going to be the big issue for the Browns. And you know All what's right. crazy about the Browns is that on paper, again, on paper, on paper, I'm going to say on paper a lot with this team, I feel like, for the next month. But on paper, I feel like they're easily the most talented team from top to bottom in the division. But when you look at the schedule and look at the predictions, like I might end up pricking them to finish in third. You know, I, I'm not sure how I feel what? about the Steelers. I'll need to see them. I, I think the Ravens are going to finish. In first. It. It's the Browns. It's I'm not falling for the Browns, Ryan. I'm not falling for the Browns. I, uh, I, might, so- I might pick them to finish in first. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I have no idea what to do with the Browns. Well, you're not picking to finish fourth. We know that I would go so far as to say that this roster might be the third best roster in the AFC behind Kansas city and Buffalo. Like that's how good I feel about this roster. This roster is stacked. So, yeah. And, and you know what the thing is, you look at the Browns and they're in the toughest division. So that's what, you know, like if the Browns were in the AFC East and, and you put the bills in the AFC North then you're probably picking the Browns to win the division, not even thinking twice. Right. No, I have to ride the Mac Jones train. But if I wasn't on the Mac Jones train, yes, I would. I would pick the the Browns. Without oh, that's even. right. I forgot you have the Patriots win the Super Bowl after <laughs> Mac Jones takes over starting quarterback in Week Three. Dear God, don't let Mac Jones be a bust. Uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll continue this conversation. And I'll even let Breach go after the break because I feel sorry for him. What? The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Breach, I did the switcheroo on you before. You talked about the Browns. You handled it eloquently. Let's talk about the Bengals. They're batting third, not batting cleanup. Uh, any concerns about the Bengals team that lost their quarterback uh, who almost had to have his leg amputated midway through last season? Well, if we were going to do this as a separate podcast where we only talked about the Bengals and we had four hours to talk, <laughs> I would list all of my concerns. But that's not what this is. This is one nugget, one question, what is the most burning question for the Bengals heading into training camp? And for me, it's how does Joe Burrow's left knee look? I mean, it seems simple. It seems like the obvious question. And it is because their whole entire season revolves around 
his left knee. And if he's not ready to play, then you have a huge problem in Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, all eyes are going to be on Burrow's knee. And I know, look, all we've heard is good things, you know, coming out of OTAs, coming out of minicamp. It has been, yeah, Joe Burrow has looked great. Joe Burrow has looked great. But, you know, even when they went into mandatory minicamp in June, Burrow even admitted, he said, hey, look, the knee still has a little bit of way to go. His upper body, everything else feels good. The knee, not 100%. Zach Taylor says he feels like it's probably about uh, 85%. Uh, but, you know, they kept getting asked during minicamp, is Joe Burrow going to be ready to play in week one? And no one was fully committing to that. You know, like, obviously, Joe Burrow wants to play in week one. I think Joe Burrow expects to play in week one. But, you know, if you were to ask me right now, do I think he's going to play in the preseason? I don't think we'll see him on the field in the preseason because the Bengals aren't going to risk losing him in a preseason game, which means he's going to get his first action, uh, you know, in week one against the Vikings if he's out there on the field. And, and so just because, you know, the Bengals went out and they drafted Jamar Chase, they have so many weapons, Tyra Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, but Joe Burrow is the guy who makes all of that go. And, if, you know, if he's not out there for whatever reason, you know, if he has to miss week one, uh, you're in trouble. So you're already behind the eight ball because I have a hard time seeing Brandon Allen, I think, would be the starter. Uh, so, yeah, it's just all eyes in Cincinnati to be on Burrow's knee for the next month. Brandon Allen, Kyle Shermer, son of. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot Coach Kyle Shermer. Shermer was on there. And Eric Dungy, Syracuse, former Syracuse quarterback, who is more a runner than a passer, is also on the roster for now. So, but there were no setbacks, right? Uh, that you heard publicly about Joe Burrow's knee? No, no setbacks. He, he, he like I said, he was throwing passes during uh, minicamp and OTA. So everyone was happy about that. But it's just that, you know, he's been pretty open that his knee's not 100% yet. Um, and so that's, he was just out there throwing passes and, and you know, his upper body's fine. And so obviously, and I think can, that'll be about eight or nine months by the time September rolls around. He should be good to go. Like, it, the, I think the biggest part will be mental for him if that's, if there's no sort of, other lingering issues with the knee because right but know. then you see like you know saquon barkley has been he's you know he tore his acl and he's been kind of evasive about hmm. his issue and and hey i might not be ready in week one he's not ready to talk about it yeah saquon's a little different too because i mean you're asking that knee to do a lot more saquon wise because he's running and cutting and jumping whereas joe burrow just is trying not to get his knees chopped off um and he, i mean he can run joe burrow but he that's not a staple of his game. He's not Lamar Jackson, for example, or, or Josh Allen. But yeah, that's that's a huge point. And I think the bigger issue is going to be the mental part. Once Joe Burrow is cleared, quote unquote, medically to play. Well, if you're a Bengals fan, Wilson, or you follow the Bengals, if Joe Burrow doesn't play a single preseason snap, are you concerned at all going into week one? Are yeah. you thinking, eh, training camp was good enough. He'll be fine. I'm concerned in week one just about the speed of the game having him take some unnecessary hits. That's it. Like, I'm not concerned about him and his, his mental state. Like, where is he mentally with his knee? Does he trust it and all that? You want him to play. You would like for him to play a couple series, I feel like, at least in preseason. You know, I I, would, I wouldn't want to see him play half. They don't need to do that. Uh, but if he's not 95-plus percent, don't put him out there. There's no rush. Because Carson Wentz didn't start the season. I don't think he started the season. Nick Foles did, right? Uh, That's where Debo comes in and, and tells us exactly what happened. I think. Yeah. In what year? Uh, 2018, after he tore his ACL. Yeah, full start at the first two games. Gotcha. And they went one and one. Because th that was December, because uh, what's his face? Wentz tore his ACL right around the same time I tore mine in 2017. And it, it, he wasn't 100%. I think he tore something else, like a lateral or a medial ligament as well. So 
I would expect Joe Burrow to be ready, but we'll see. And the, also, Brandon Allen ain't Nick Foles, 2018 version anyway. So Yeah, and that's the other thing, Wilson, you hit in the head. If he's not, if for, if for whatever reason, if there's any hesitation, if he's at 92%, they're like, you know what, let's not send him out there unless he's 100. This is the future of the franchise. You don't like just ship him off in week one because you want to win that badly. You make sure he's 100% and ready to go before you put him out there. Yeah, and unlike Justin Fields and, and the coaching situation, the GM situation in Chicago, I feel like Zach Taylor would do the right thing and wait, even if it meant he was going to get fired, which you know may end up happening anyway. <laughs> so we'll see. Best of luck to you, Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. All right, the Ravens. Team that many of us thought, I think, were going to win the division a year ago because we didn't know what to make of Roethlisberger's arm. We didn't know what to make of Stefanski and Mayfield. Um, so the Ravens came in second in the division. They won 11 games, tied with the Browns. All three teams made the playoffs this year. The Ravens and the Browns are going to be favored. I think right now William Hill has the Ravens favored to win the division, just followed by the Browns. I think I like the Ravens to finish second. So for me, the burning question brings us back to Lamar Jackson, who, uh, you know, I, I think people unnecessarily dinged him for not being, uh, you know, Peyton Manning last year in terms of slinging the ball around. I think he regrets a little bit, not a lot. But the question is, can Lamar continue to, to progress as a passer? And can these wide receivers who they they, they drafted a couple of more uh, and they signed Sammy Watkins, my guy, can they make this offense work in terms of the passing game? So we know about Hollywood Brown. Um, he's slight of frame. He, he does some things well. He does some other things not well. They have Miles Boykin. Um, the former second round pick out of Notre Dame, but la but in the draft they took Rashad Bateman and they circled back and got Tylen Wallace. Players that are sort of similar. Rashad Bateman's a little more dynamic, but two more weapons down the field. They have Devin Duvernay. They have James Prochet. <laughs> so they have like legitimately five, six, seven, eight, nine guys who can make the team at wide receiver. I don't know if they're all going to make it, but they they've drafted all these guys in the fourth round or higher, I believe, in the last two or three years. And one of those is Sammy Watkins, who they signed. So that that for me is the question: um, Can the can the uh, offense, the passing game in particular, take another step forward? Because we know Mark Andrews is a big part of what they do. Um, they have Josh Oliver, who was formerly with the Jaguars. They have Nick Boyle, uh, who is more blocker than than pass receiver, but he can catch the ball. And they have Lamar Jackson, and of course Trace McSorley has a, the TikTok song after him. But but I, I want to know if. Lamar Jackson can make that step breach if he can be an efficient passer. And if so, I, I think then they they not only close the gap with Cleveland, but they're a much more consistent team and, and they're probably a better football team than Cleveland based on experience. I think the big issue, unlike Cleveland, uh, the other big issue is the offensive line, which are going to have some questions. Uh, but I think it starts with Lamar Jackson and then follows you know the running game, of course, and then, of course, the passing game. How does that work with Lamar and these new players? Yeah, I mean, I like to see me walk in signing. I like that they drafted Rashad Bateman. Uh, and you know what? They don't even have to take a big step forward in the passing game. Just a small step forward. Just any step forward. Literally just a millimeter forward. And I think this team will be much, much better. Because look, they've proven that the offense they run with Lamar Jackson can get them to the playoffs. They've proven they can be successful running the ball 99% of the time. But at some point, you have to throw it. You know, you, you play better teams in the postseason uh, who are going to say, you know what, we're going to take we're going to take your best thing away from you and we're not going to let you run all over us. You're going to have to figure out how to throw the ball. And that's why I think the Ravens have had uh, some trouble advancing in the playoffs. And look, uh, you look at the teams last year that averaged under 200 yards passing per game. You ready for this list, Ryan? Let's hear it. The Giants. <laughs> the Patriots. Yeah. The Jets. 
Mm-hmm. The Ravens. Yikes. So it, it's not – they just – they run the ball so well that it's like they're thinking we don't have to pass it because we're fine because we can be successful just running it. And they led the NFL in rushing. And again, it can work, but you have to have some threat of the pass. And so that's I like the fact they brought in receivers – more targets for Lamar, and now they're putting it on Lamar's shoulders. They're like, they're basically saying, "Look, we didn't give you a lot to work with the last few years. Now we're giving you something to work with. You need to figure it out. We'll call a few more pass plays. We're not going to get crazy. We're not going to turn into, uh, you know, the Saints and throw the ball over six hundred times or the Chiefs. Um, the Ravens threw the ball four hundred and six times last year. The Chiefs threw it six hundred and thirty. So if that just in the tells postseason." You, yeah. <laughs> so I, I can't remember. I remember the, the results, but I actually don't remember but the games. The Steelers oh. threw at 656. They yeah. literally threw 250 more passes than the Ravens. Yeah. Okay. That worked out for them. So after the 2019 season, 2020 playoffs, I remember that Baltimore got housed by the Titans in the playoffs. Um, I don't remember the specifics. Were the Titans, the Titans must have been up early in that game. Do you remember, John? Uh, which the one they won? Yeah. When I know they were up 28 to six at one point. Okay. Because Lamar threw the ball 59 times in that game for three, six. Yeah. So that was, they were up 28 to six in the second half. But last year when Baltimore beat Tennessee, he only threw the ball 24 times for 179 yards to your point. And then the next week they lost to the bills in the divisional round. And he only threw through the ball 24 times again for 162 yards. So, you know, sort of to your point, you don't have to win by throwing the ball 300 yards a game, but, I think you have to do more than, you know, averaging 170 and change over two playoff games. And that's what the, the teams in the postseason have done. They just take the Ravens out of their element, and then it, it doesn't end out well for the Ravens. So, and this is a scary team. If they figure out how to throw the ball consistently and they get good at it, and again, they stick to your main thing. Keep running the ball. That's what you do. That's fine. But you just need the threat of the passing game. And, and if they figure that out, I mean, then all of a sudden they become one of the top three teams in the AFC, right? Yeah, and they, they agree they agree with you because that's, they're not drafting these guys every year, these wide receivers, because they don't want to pass the ball. I think that's the direction they want to go. Some balance, more so, than, more so than just leaning on the run, because the issue is it works when you're ahead or the game's close, but when you're down two and a half touchdowns, you can't just run the ball in the second half and you know bleed time off the clock. Yeah, and, and I think another part of this is we're going to find out if Lamar Jackson can throw the ball, because look, I know it's been kind of this running joke that since the draft, but you know, there are throws he hasn't been able to make and things have gotten so crazy that the Ravens literally do not let the media tweet out videos of Lamar throwing the ball anymore. And, and so you can tell it's a sensitive subject in Baltimore with the team, with the coaching staff. And so if they do try to throw more and Jackson continues to struggle, I don't know where that leaves you. Cause you know, you know, you can be successful with him, but he, I don't know they can get you over the top unless he, can consistently throw the ball well. But here's the thing. Lamar, Baker, Josh Allen, all getting paid, and they're all going to make, in order, be the three highest-paid quarterbacks, right? Yes. I mean, Baker, too, I feel like. if you know After the season, if these teams win 10-plus games and get to the playoffs, no matter how bad they play in the playoffs, no matter if Lamar skips 15 straight balls in the playoffs, if Baker airmails 15 straight balls, I think they're going to be the three highest-paid quarterbacks I'll be interested to see who gets more money out of Lamar and Josh Allen. I don't think I think it just comes down to who's the last person signed. Yeah. Right. I mean, probably not the high. They won't be higher paid than Patrick Mahomes, but they'll be Dak Prescott, 40 million territory. Because uh, unless, you know, because Josh Allen only has one super season. And if he crashes back to earth for whatever reason in 2021, 
and then doesn't negotiate, renegotiate or get his extension till next off season, you know, then that makes things a little more dice. He's going to get a ton of money, but is he going to get the most? All right. Well, that'd be something to watch for. They're all going to get 40 something million. So it doesn't matter. What we do know is Brandon Allen will be making $40 million next year. That's what we do. He should. He should, but he won't. Best year back at, in the NFL. Year after, maybe. <laughs> all right. That's it. AFC North burning questions in the books. Come back uh, for the rest of the week and the next few weeks for other division burning questions with Willie Brinson, who I would assume will have found his phone by then. Bunny quotes. Uh, meanwhile, John, good talk, and uh, we'll see you guys later.